1: available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.
2: This episode is brought to you by our Patreon members. Thank you so much.
0: And if you're not a member, consider joining. Members get extra episodes just for Patreon subscribers and all our episodes ad-free.
2: Membership starts at just two dollars a month. Go to patreon.com slash ancienthistoryfangirl for more info. And as always, thanks for listening. Everybody
3: in this time getting murdered.
0: Hit us with a swank-ass introduction, Jen. I'm Jen McMenamy. And I'm Jenny Williamson. And this is Ancient History Fangirl. And if you can't figure it out, we're
2: already drunk.
3: This is going really well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Jenny Williamson heroically decided she wanted to spend her birthday, because today is her birthday, recording a very special Ancient History Fangirl crossover episode.
0: I did. There's literally nothing I would rather be doing with my birthday right now, and I am not being an asshole. I'm actually telling the truth.
2: Possibly this is her sneaky way of pre-gaming not alone before she goes out, but we're not sure. Ding, 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 Jen. (laughs) She knows me well. (laughs) So in addition to it being Jenny's birthday, we decided to have a little party and invited some incredibly special guests along. We are thrilled to welcome back Katie and Nathan from the Incredible Queens podcast.
0: Welcome.
2: Hey. Hey,
0: girl. Hey, Nathan. She called us special.
2: Extra special.
0: Oh, You guys are so extra and so special. <laughs> I'll take it.
2: And they're going to be talking about some of our favorite ladies in the Roman Empire Republic. Empire. I get confused. Someone on Twitter will tell me that I'm wrong. We don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to spit this out now. We're going to talk about our favorite ladies of the Julian-Claudian dynasty. Hoo For those of you who listened to our Fulvia, the original Gangster of Ancient Rome episode, you'll remember Katie and Nathan's incredible cameos.
0: Yes, they did the sling bull dialogue they did well (laughs) done
3: (laughs) thank you i was so excited when you asked us to do that that was so much fun it was so filthy it was great
4: i love filth
3: yes accurate (laughs)
4: <laughs> that is my bitch.
2: We both <laughs> decided we wanted to cover Fulvia at totally different times. I was all excited after I did like the Agrippina research when they were like, Fulvia was this badass who declared war against Rome and took Cicero's tongue and nailed it to like the forum with a gold hairpin. I was like, that is my kind of girl. And Jenny was like, I'm in love with Fulvia because...
0: I'm in love with Fulvia because of the sling bullets. I was watching some documentary. It was totally about something else, but there. were... Was- these sling bullets and one of them had like dialogue about this is for Fulvia's clit and I was like ooh who's Fulvia what's up with her clit <laughs> Fulvia's clit
3: new band name I call it
0: <laughs> awesome <laughs> so this is if you haven't listened to the episode very filthy very colorful language it's phenomenal and you guys were obviously the perfect people to read it well
3: Thank you. We had a really fun time. And it was just funny whenever you emailed us the script and we're like, um, you know, if if this is too dirty for you, (laughs) like y'all don't have to do this. And we were like, bitch, who do you think you're talking to?
0: (laughs) I got into podcasting just so I could read dialogue like this on the air to people. This is ideal. Precisely. Yeah,
4: I'm just garbage and I like to produce garbage. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs)
3: True fact. (laughs) 100%.
2: Well, we always have that hope that that will be our guest reaction. (laughs) There was a time when I thought we could go for educational
0: funding and then we open our mouths. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nobody's going to fund us educationally. That is not happening. (laughs)
2: you can't tell, we are massive fans of the Queen's podcast. They have this incredible narrative storytelling that they pair with cocktails and they have a conversation about women in history. And we totally encourage you to go binge their episodes, particularly their series on both Agrippina's, The Elder and the Younger,
0: and their Cleopatra episode. I love the Cleopatra episode. The thing that I really loved about the Cleopatra episode was that none of us can pronounce inimitable livers. <laughs> still, still
3: inimitable. Nope. Inimitable. Niminable.
2: Inmini- <laughs>
4: And especially when you've been drinking <laughs> it's
0: the whole point of this club Is I mean I realized that the actual name probably Would have been in Greek or Latin or something Not in English because English didn't Exist
3: but But that would be even harder <laughs> <laughs> To try to like say Jen and I
0: like get wrapped around the axle about that name Every time it comes up and I was like Oh my god <laughs> you guys too You get wrapped around the
2: axle I pronounce it however I want And I'm like what else I'm gonna keep reading <laughs> <laughs> You need to pause and sound this out like two-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> So, in addition, if you're looking for content that is amazing while you wait for our episodes to drop, you should listen to their Zenobia episode, their episode on Olympias, who is the a, a supreme badass and the mother of Alexander the Great, who would not be great without Olympias, let's be honest. And uh, Boudica, who I promise we will cover at some point in time. I feel like I say it all the time and I'm just lying. Buddha, Buddha, Boudica, <laughs> rocking everywhere. Rocking everywhere. Rocking
0: everywhere. <laughs> Woohoo! Amazing. We need, we need like a dance. Video of this.
4: <laughs> I am an expert twerker.
0: Goddamn right, you
3: are. <laughs> I'm way too white. My butt does not move that way.
0: I feel like the drunker I get, the more I can twerk. That's true. I like half a bottle in, I'm like pretty convinced I can be like- paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm
3: going
2: to I'm going to bring us back into the introduction. So, hi Katie, hi Nathan. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what inspired you to start your badass queens podcast? Yeah. So,
3: um I really like making people listen to me talk.
2: We approve of that lifestyle choice. <laughs> so um,
3: when I discovered podcasts, I was like, perfect. I love, I've always loved history, especially learning about impressive women in history because there's so many that like, you know, are just like a blip on the page in the history books. And they're just so fascinating. And most history podcasts, whenever I first got the idea for the show, are um, boring old white men. Um <laughs> Talking like boring old white men, and I just was like, there's a market out there to make this fun. And um, Nathan and I have been friends forever. Let's not age ourselves here. Yeah, <laughs> we've been fr- we've been friends for <coughs> years, and and I just. I just couldn't think of anybody better to start this with. I didn't want to do it by myself. Oh, that's so sweet. Katie. Oh, I, yeah. I like oh, you. You're making me feel so squishy. Oh, yeah. I, I
4: literally remember like in college, Katie started reading a book about Eleanor Roosevelt mm-hmm. and she made up her own musical. Yeah.
3: I wrote, <laughs> I wrote a, I wrote, I wrote a show tune. Uh, it was just one song, <laughs> not a whole musical.
0: Is that it recorded somewhere? And can we put it in our show notes? <laughs>
3: I'll, I'll go back. I'll go to my MySpace. <laughs> oh, my God. See if it's on there. <laughs> I told you not to age us. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I texted Nathan one day and was just like, do you listen to podcasts? Would you be interested in doing this with me? And I was like, uh, yeah, let's, and it, it, let's and go it for like, it. Yeah, sure. And then a couple of weeks passed and like, I don't know why, like, I got the feeling. I was like, oh, I guess I think he might have been just being polite. I'm not sure if he's actually into it. And then like a couple of weeks passed, he was like, are we, so are we doing this? Like, uh, I've been researching. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) And, you know, whenever we started, I literally was like, if we can just meet like make connections with like two or three other people that are as into this as we are that would be amazing and now we have this like huge community like it's been phenomenal we have the best listeners and the people that reach out to us all the time who there was such a need for um like what you're doing you're very similar you know like making history not fucking boring you know um conversational fun conversational yeah and um getting drunk while doing it also helps
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think that that is the USP right like that's the unique selling point like we tell the stories frequently we are drunk I feel like we don't drink every time right Jen like sometimes it's like Seven in the morning on my end. And your point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you're not drinking every time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Every so often I'm not drunk, but Jen usually is.
2: Well, I mean, there's a few times where we've had Julius Caesar on, and I have to be really honest, I cannot channel Julius Caesar sober.
3: Nor would he want you to. (laughs) (laughs)
2: exactly i think the other thing is that like what you guys do so well and what we try to do is these were real people and it's really easy when you're reading something on a page to be like yeah but that's just how things were at that point in time and that's just what they did and when you start actually looking at how the time was and what they did like you start realizing they were real people who had sometimes really shitty options and this is how they lived
4: and, and what's so especially what we're talking about today with like Roman history is you really only have two points of view whenever we look at history with uh, Roman history is that only two guys really wrote down all of this stuff and we have only that view of what happened yeah so putting yourself and learning about them and putting yourself in their shoes really makes it a lot of fun because you can make it more about them and less about the misogyny that these guys yeah kind of to them
3: the more you learn about history, especially ancient Rome, they don't care for women very much. (laughs)
0: no that's a giant understatement right there
3: (laughs) i'm starting to think that maybe they were a little misogynistic guys i don't know hot take here so like you have to like take what you're reading with a grain of salt and it's really interesting to try to put yourself like in that person's shoes being like okay well they're saying that uh she slept with her son or whatever but let's think about this for a second (laughs) why would she do you know
0: And I also feel like there's something so important about this work, you know, because these are um, marginalized voices and they're often, they're disparaged voices. And I remember when we started this podcast, I did the first like, um, I think the first like eight or nine episodes, Jen. You did the entire first season,
3: okay?
2: There's no reason to be modest. Jenny did the entire first season because I literally dove into the cesspit that was the Julian Claudians and got lost for nine months. And when I came out, I was pregnant with five of Germanicus's children. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Fucking lot of ghost babies. So like I did all these episodes and like it was Jen pointed this out to me. I did not even notice this because it was my first round of this. And Jen was like, there's a lot of dudes in this podcast and we need to have some women now. And I'm like, I'm a feminist. What are you talking about? Oh, this is a sausage fest. You're right. Uh,
4: <laughs> sounds like my kind of party.
0: <laughs> well, I invite you to the first season of Ancient History Fangirl, it's a sausage fest. But like, it was hard for me even at first, cause I was new to this, new to the podcast, new to the research to break out of the male dominant gaze and, and be like, oh, what I really should be doing is looking underneath that and looking for the stories that are between the lines and like the stories that are being told, but only being told from this one perspective. The work that you guys do is so so important because it's lifting up those people that have been kind of marginalized throughout history and really highlighting them and telling their story and it's what we try to do too.
3: And I think you do it excellent excellently. Um And that is a very high
4: compliment. Yes. So thank you. Yes,
3: thank you very much. That's very Are we in love now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> did we just all did we just all enter into a four-way relationship now? I think we might be sitting in a hot tub as we do this recording.
3: <laughs> this is exciting. Nathan, did you... Nathan, like, made a huge mess, and he. I'm very proud for how quiet he was being. Do you need to go get a towel or something? No, though? I think I'm actually good. <clears throat> okay.
4: Like, I, I literally spilt something on the table and then scooped it into my hands. Scooped
3: it into <laughs> his hands, like, you know, like Have you ever seen those videos of raccoons, the raccoons that like scoop up the water with their hands? <laughs> he did that was his wine, and, and I didn't
4: know what to do with it, so, so I drank, drank it from his
3: hand, all completely silently, while you were telling us how important our work
4: is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually crying. <laughs> I'm so classy.
2: <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna pull us back into a question. Is there any criteria that you have for choosing who you're going to cover on Queens?
3: Um, she can no longer be alive because we always yeah. talk about their legacy at the end. So um, she has to be dead. She has to be dead. <laughs> um, I guess that's the main thing we like women that were influential, and then also Freddie Mercury. We did one, we did a Freddie Mercury, but he was <laughs> in Queen. Yeah, but I think that's really the uh, main criteria is like an influential woman who put her mark on history. Would you say there's any other criteria? Nathan? No, I would just say that
4: women that I mean we we talk about. Women that everybody knows, mm-hmm. but
3: and some women that people don't know. Those that's sometimes exactly, that's and sometimes those, fun. Those like, are sometimes my favorite yeah. episodes
4: are the ones that uh, I think we did Empress Wu. That was that was a fun one for me because mm-hmm. it was a different culture. But we do like women that you know. There's a little bit of uh, I can't think of the word of it, but everybody has their own point of view of who they were. Yeah, and so try to
3: open up that other side of them.
4: Yeah, so I think that's another thing that we look for is a, a woman that's three dimensional and not yeah. just two dimensional. Yeah,
3: totally. A couple of years ago, we did a surprise Halloween episode about Elizabeth Bathory, who's known as the Blood Countess. And I was so excited because everyone knows that she's just this evil bitch. And like, I was so excited to learn about somebody, and I was almost a little bit disappointed to find out, like, oh no, just like everybody else, this is probably like a lie. actually the king owed her like millions of dollars, and so that's why he they st- like, spread the rumors that she, she was like bathing in bathed blood. in virgins. Blood blood and stuff like that.
0: Like, I was like, damn it! I was really hoping she was evil. Okay, because Elizabeth Bathory is everybody's idea of, like, the proto-vampire.
2: Or female serial killer.
3: Yeah? Yeah, she's... I mean, she Back wasn't, yet. like, a fun lady. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to, like, go to out to cocktails with her, like, at all. Like, she was a bitch, but she probably also didn't kill 600 virgins or whatever, like yeah. they say. And it's
0: amazing the things that, that turn up in the historical record that are, like, probably, and we see this, obviously, so much in the ancient Roman record where it's, like, these people did horrible things, and there's, like, all this extremely detailed shit where it's, like, okay, either this is way too detailed and specific for anyone to make up or someone here has a very lurid imagination,
4: yes, yeah, especially with women. Because anytime yeah. a woman has any sort of power, any sort of money, she's
0: villainized,
3: yeah,
4: immediately she's the villain because she's a witch, she's a witch, everybody's got to kill her, or
0: she's masculine. You see that with you know, Agrippina got that, Agrippina the Younger got that, it's too masculine.
3: Nathan came up with a phrase while we were recording our last episode, which I am going to start using all the time. The history books are written by a bunch of dudes with fragile dick energy. Oh my God, that's so true. Fragile (laughs) dick energy. So much fragile dick energy. I
0: mean, isn't that another word for the patriarchy? Like fucking fragile dick energy everywhere? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're just in the miasma of it.
1: (laughs)
2: This kind of segues nicely into the next question I was going to ask you, which is, which historical figure have you covered so far that surprised you the most? Hmm.
3: Definitely, Elizabeth Bathory is definitely up there. The Marie Antoinette one was really interesting because you just think of her as, you know, history hasn't, has kind of just painted her as like this airhead. I mean, she did try really hard to be a good queen. She was just very much wrong place, wrong time.
4: Yeah. I liked Madame de Pompadour. she was a lot of fun. To be honest. That yeah. was a really fun one because you got to see the power of a mistress. Yeah. You know, you were the king's side piece. But. And you ended up running shit. Yeah, she
3: basically <laughs> ran the country for a few years.
4: Yeah, so I thought that was really cool. That was something that was really surprising because you never think of a mistress. You just think that she's just going to be, you know, off on the side, out in left field, not really doing anything, just boning the king. That's it. Yeah. But she was running the country. She really like, was. She was literally called. The shots, and that was just so surprising to me. That was primarily in French culture; they do that a lot. The Uh, the mistress having like an official official title, title, yeah, and that was just very interesting and surprising to me.
3: Totally. And um, Zenobia, who you mentioned earlier, I had never even heard of her before.
4: Cool as shit.
3: She was so cool. And, like, I was very surprised by how much power, I guess I shouldn't say, like, they allowed her to have. Because when you think, you don't think of, like, women being just, like, the straight-up ruler. Besides, like, Cleopatra but in the ancient world. But that seems like... An anomaly, you know? So I was so surprised by Zenobia and how much power her people put in her. And she was was such a badass bitch. Mm -hmm. I wish we knew what happened to her. That's,
0: that's, so, that's so fucking frustrating. We actually did Zenobia too. We didn't do a whole episode on her, but she was part of our Amazon's series because she was like a, a warrior queen. So I feel like Zenobia is a really interesting example because she's like a um an example of how women in the ancient world did come to power. And we see this pattern a lot. Like we saw it with Tuda, for example, the Illyrian pirate queen. What happens is you have a husband and you have a young son who's like a toddler and your husband dies and your son is too young to rule and if you're strong enough you can take power in your son's name until he comes of age and then you've got about maybe 15 years until your son wants to take power on his own and then you see something like with Nero where you're gonna have a power struggle with your son once he's that old and the way Cleopatra handled this because she was of course you know dealing with her brothers who were her quote unquote concerts she had you know like brother number one she had a war with him and he died in the war and then brother number two Ptolemy the 14th she had him killed because he was getting to that age where he was like 16 or something and was all of a sudden wanting probably around the time where he would want to take power. So then she killed him and started off the clock again by having Caesarian be well, you see that a lot in,
3: um, like, the European history with the queens that we cover as well. Catherine de' Medici did the same thing.
2: Catherine de' Medici, she's she the poisoner, isn't she?
3: No. I think maybe you're thinking of Lucretia Borgia?
2: Lucretia Borgia.
3: Yeah. Again, also, probably not.
4: <laughs> yeah, so that was probably a lie, <laughs>
3: Lucretia Borgia her- was probably just, like, a very nice la- lady. Like
4: she if was- anything, it was probably her Pope dad who poisoned people. Yeah.
2: <laughs> There's only one poisoner we know for sure, and it was La Custa, and she had her own poisoning school. I
3: wish that we could have discussed La Custa in our Agrippina series, but...
4: We had so much. There was just so much
3: to go <laughs> over. Think, and I actually put her in the outline at first, and then I was like, we just don't have time to introduce another character. Yeah, I think total
4: all-in-all all episodes for both Agrippina's was five. We had
3: five episodes, <laughs> two, for, two for Agrippina the Elder and three for Agrippina the Younger. By the time we were done with those five episodes, I was like, I need to remove myself from ancient Rome for a minute. <laughs> Like I need to not think about this. <laughs> like, because
4: there's so many people with the same goddamn name. It was just
3: like, I, like by the end of, I was just mad. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with these like, people? <laughs> it's
4: like soap opera e because you it's have divorces. So soap you have this divorce, and they remarry to this person, and they have these children, and then they get divorced, and then they remarry. It's just so complicated, and they all
0: have the same name.
4: I know. <laughs>
0: Jen, this was your life for nine months, huh? <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like I've heard this rant so often, but also I've lived it because it's also my my hell that we live in. We live in this hell. This is our hell. I'm going to
2: get through the other questions because I could rant for two hours on this. So the other the other thing that I wanted to ask you is what is one historical fact that you came across that just totally blew your mind?
4: Again, I'm going to harken back to Empress Wu. Pretty much her husband as emperor had a massive stroke. And she basically was the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Where she hid behind a curtain and called the shots and told him what to say. Because he was obviously pretty much incapacitated. And also something really cool with that is I, I believe it was the Shang Fung rituals. Where they had to like climb this mountain. And only seven emperors before had been able to do it. And she was able to do it. So that was really cool to me. Just going to the Eastern culture and the way that they do things and their hierarchy, where they had different levels of concubines, and learning about the hierarchy in Eastern culture was so fascinating to me.
3: Um, something I thought was just bananas when we did the Roxalena episode. She mm. was so it was like the Ottoman Empire. When was Roxalena? Was she like 1100s? Yeah, something it was like that. that time. Maybe it was 1500s. No, it was fifteen hundred. The custom until she hit the scene was the sultan didn't take a wife. He just got all his concubines pregnant, and basically, when he died, all the sons from the concubines had to like war it out, and whoever won became the sultan. And, and by, I was by like, by
4: winning, you mean kill all the, all the uh, yeah, other ones? All the other young children that he had were all murdered.
3: Yeah, all the, all the boys. Yeah, the girls the boys. got to go be concubines. I guess I don't fucking know. Um, it was. I was just like, what? chaotic mess is this like what then that's like how they chose their sultan for like the next 200 years or until Roxalina hit the scene and then he married her and everyone was like the king is marrying this is outrageous
0: it reminds me of the alexander the great who does the kingdom go to to the strongest
3: very, it was very much like that, Very actually. that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like there is a certain kind of bloody logic behind that, you know, because it's like, who do we want the kingdom to go to? We want the kingdom to go to the person who has slaughtered all of their siblings in order to earn the throne. Like, it's something that we all have to fight for.
4: It's so crazy to be like, oh, yay, you killed the two-year-old, so you get to be So cool. King. You're so
3: cool. Here's
0: a crown. <laughs> yeah, I guess if your, like, opponents are two-year-olds, that, is, that sort of destroys that whole thing. Okay, so I'm going to move into Cleopatra
2: and Antony. So, we're in the middle of an arc about Cleopatra and Antony, and it's fair to say that we've been fangirling over the story because it has everything
3: that you'd want. It's so fascinating. I mean, yeah. there's a reason that she she has remained relevant all these years because their life is just bananas fascinating, you know, like it's so cool. So, what is the strangest,
2: fascinating most memorable thing that you came across in your research when you were looking at Cleopatra.
3: Well, first of all, she married not one but two of her brothers, which
2: <laughs> gross
0: is cool. <laughs> <I> th- <laughs> they were both underage at the time, too. That's fine. That's fine.
4: <laughs> I think I like the fact that she. What was it like? Seven different languages, or like twelve yeah. different languages? I mean, I
0: thought it was she- so cool that she was. It was like nine different languages. Yeah, that's she was what it like is. the first.
3: The Ptolemies had been ruling Egypt for like 200 years at this point. And she was the first one to bother to learn Egyptian. And it was great because like
4: she could literally walk the streets and talk to everyone that she ruled over. Yeah. So it made her a super relatable ruler that you don't really see, especially in the ancient world where they spoke all these different languages. And they tried to
3: actually not just conquer the people that they were ruling, but actually, like, be good for them, you know? Mm -hmm. Try to be good rulers to them. And so she just really stands out from... So many other rulers at that time for actually being, trying to be one of the people. I mean, obviously she wasn't one of the people. She lived in a fucking palace and drank pearls. But I mean, I kind of feel
4: like that's how royalty in England and France, they all train their children to learn all these languages and speak Mm -hmm. all these languages Mm -hmm. so that they could speak to their subjects. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that came from Cleopatra. Possibly. Like that was something that maybe you know, she left a bookmark on history to make that a requirement to learn how to speak the language of your subjects. Yeah. And that was just so made her down to earth and made her a human to me instead of this queen that you just read about in Mm -hmm. in history books. It made her a real person.
0: And also the brother marrying thing. That. (laughs) That's really relatable, too. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, at least she wasn't sending, like, her brother lover, his other brother's head in a box, because that is also Ptolemaic language for love. (laughs) (laughs) Right, severed limbs. That was a thing. (laughs) What did Cleopatra invent that I thought it was like a, was she inventing Tinder?
0: It was during the donations. You guys remember this? When Mark Antony was showering Cleopatra and her kids with all these territories and stuff. No, it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't the donations. But it was like a pre gaming for the donations where Mark Antony was showering Cleopatra with territories. And um, she started a new calendar where it was like year one. And Jen made this remark like I said it, like, oh, she started a new dating system. And Jen was like, oh, like Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> I just went with it. And I was like, yeah, this is um, this is for, you know, client queens who are looking for powerful Roman protectors. (laughs) (laughs) Because like Cleopatra
2: definitely dated Julius Caesar and then she dated his right hand man. I love that we're calling it dating. (laughs) Well, what do you call it with her and Julius Caesar? Like either she dated him or she was his
0: concubine or he was her mister. He was her consort. They were just fuck buddies. Friends and benefits. <laughs> not putting a label on it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> she texted him, like, at 2 a.m., like, hey, you up? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Send a carrier pigeon with
0: a scroll. He was just there to service her needs, okay?
4: Ooh, I like how eloquently you put that. Mm. So. Service her needs. You know,
0: (laughs) she's just like, I've got some needs. Mama's got needs right now.
2: (laughs) Preach. I think the interesting thing about Cleopatra and Mark Antony was just how much work Cleopatra did to stage manage Antony's life because he was a hot mess. I never realized like what a tire fire he was.
3: He was just a frat boy, you know? Yeah. And she like basically came in being like, all right, look, you can keep frat boying, but you need to do like some actual work while you frat boy. Work, 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 work. Yeah. You need to do work, 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 work.
0: Actually going to need you to legit fight a war for me. So you'd better buckle down. And he he is
3: like, I for that pee.
1: (laughs) For that pee. I'm
3: I'm doing a humping dance, y'all can't see, but... I'm picturing it in my head and it is
4: glorious.
3: (laughs) (laughs) My biggest question, which I cannot figure out, did Cleopatra love Mark Antony? I think he loved the fuck out of her. Maybe she loved him with conditions. I can't decide. Did she actually love him like he loved her or did she just um you know it was a strategic partnership
0: i think he loved the fuck out of her that's absolutely true i have an opinion about this i think she loved him but i don't think it happened right away everything cleopatra did was strategic right oh yeah all of her relationships were strategic. Her relationship with Julius Caesar was absolutely strategic. And when she went to seduce Mark Antony on the banks of the Tarsus River, that was absolutely strategic. Well, you don't bring that many
2: rose petals unless you're planning to do something.
0: I think that if we look at her behavior during the end game, when they had lost at Actium, but they had not had that last battle with Octavian yet. And Cleopatra's in talks with Octavian, and Antony's also trying to be in talks with Octavian and they're doing it separately. You don't see her throwing him over. And there are a lot of ancient sources that suggest that she did, but I kind of found that to be propaganda. She had a lot of opportunities to kill and or eject Mark Antony from her space and exile him. And she could have done that. And Octavian might or might not have. He was basically telling her during this time, like, yeah, I'll give you whatever you want, but you have to have Mark Antony killed or exiled. And she didn't do it. And she could have done it. And all of us are getting our sources from what is essentially Augustan propaganda that's come down to us. So we don't really know. But I feel like given what we know about Cleopatra, I think she loved him. And I think she was trying... trying her hardest to save him, but she also had other priorities and those were saving her children and sometimes those things kind of went head to head. That's true. That's true.
2: I just wanted to talk a little bit about Mark Antony because, like, I've got a soft spot for him. He's just such a doofus.
4: I don't have a soft spot. I have a hard spot. You got
0: got a hard
2: spot? You got a hard
0: spot? I've got a
4: hard spot for Mark Antony.
0: (laughs) Well, of course you do. I kind of do, too. I'd be like, I'd bang you. I wouldn't tell my friends about it, but I'd bang you. (laughs) Uh,
4: Yeah. (laughs) So true.
2: But I feel like Mark Antony just, like, he just had so many issues. He could not choose between Octavia and Cleopatra if he was out of one side or the other side. He was like, I don't know what to do. And then there was Fulvia, who clearly he should have stayed with forever because she started a war for him. He was just such a hot mess. Yeah. Hot mess
3: express. He's just a (laughs) bit of a doofus. Like... A kind of lovable doofus, but oh, come on, buddy.
2: And I wonder if that's what so many strong women saw in him. I can fix him. Exactly. I wonder. And like, I think the happiest he was when he was like Cleopatra's consort's like, I'm going to be like the first wife of the Easter egg roll, but in Egypt. And I'm going to judge like the teen sporting competition and the pony rides or whatever. And now I've made him sound like a perv and I'm out.
0: (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'll take over from here. I mean, he got to be a celebrity in Alexandria and he didn't have to do any work. And Cleopatra was just managing his whole life for him. He was a kept man,
2: pretty much. I think he loved it. And I think his only problem was when he had to actually, like, adult up and have a war.
0: I mean, thank God for Cleopatra. She was just bankrolling the war. Do we have opinions about why Cleopatra fled the scene of Actium in her ship?
3: Uh, uh, uh don't know. Um, she was like, this blows. Yeah,
4: I think that's exactly what <laughs> it was like. Oh man, this really sucks. I'm out guys.
0: Oh, this is the reality of battle, Fuck it. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. She, I think she
3: was like, did I leave the stove on? I'm going to go. I'm going to go check if I left the stove on, guys. PRB. <laughs> Hold
0: up. I think I left my hairdryer on. I'll be back. I think i left have my color and
3: iron on. That could really, you know, cause an electrical fire. I'll be back. So let me hop on a boat.
0: Yeah. You know, I never, when we actually did that episode, Jen, I did not consider the fact that Cleopatra may have actually left her stove on. Mind blown. Okay.
2: <laughs> I think we were also just so like, why did Mark Antony abandon his army and go Street after Cleopatra like
0: how could he think that would end well well I think we were just baffled by every everyone's behavior
3: could we consider that they were all drunk well that's a significant (laughs) possibility
0: the imitable livers founding members of the inimitable livers okay
2: I think the thing to consider is was this the only time they were all sober? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. It must be very disorienting.
4: Fuck, we're so hungover.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
2: also, I mean, it is possible all of this has come down through Augustus' propaganda machine. Exactly.
0: Whatever you just said, yes.
2: <laughs> I'm going to start steering us in the direction of the Julian Claudians because,
0: surprise! We
2: just knew we had to talk to you guys when we saw that you did that incredible series on the Agrippinas and the Julian Claudians.
0: I kind of feel like that was the impetus of me and Jen wanting to have you guys on and talk about things because we're like, they did a thing on Agrippina, we did a thing on Agrippina, we obviously have to talk. The reason
3: I even knew who Agrippina was is because I listened to your series, the Ancient Stark or the Ancient History Stark family. That, and I think I, sh- I think we shouted y'all out several times in that series. I think. I think. I think you did, yeah. I'm I'm a nerd, and I like when I exercise, I listen to podcasts. I was training for a 10k at the time, and so like I knocked your whole series on it out in about like one week. And I was like, we gotta cover these women; they're fascinating, Mm -hmm. and we don't usually do two women back to back in the same like family. in the same family or even like if we do someone from one country one time we try to do somebody from a completely different country the next time or try to do somebody from a different time period the next time that was rare for us to do same time period same family same country like All At once like that But I was just like No Like this is where my brain is After listening to that series You guys did It was so It was just like These people are fucking nuts (laughs) And they're all so drama Uh, Yeah Jesus It spoke to me so much When Agrippina the Elder Is like after Germanicus dies And she's doing like That walk of sadness Through the town Like back to her ship Or whatever And I was just like This bitch is so extra I love
0: it (laughs) I know, right? And she wouldn't shut up about Tiberius murdering her husband. And Tiberius could just have her killed Whatever.
4: At a certain point, I was like, Agrippina the Elder, shut up. Shut up. Stop talking about that. Shut up. You're going to get killed.
2: (laughs) She just had no self-preservation. And I really wonder if that's just how much she loved her husband. And that is so rare.
3: I think she did. Oh, yeah. No, she we don't have to debate like with Cleopatra, did she love Mark Antony? Agrippina, Agrippina
4: loved Germanicus. Lo- and
3: he, and Germanicus loved her. They I mean, were... Germanicus
4: was six foot fine.
3: He was six and... foot
4: fine.
3: honey. Blue-eyed, our our blue-eyed prince are golden good! And
4: Agrippina was a gorgeous gal herself. So, I mean, it was just like... And they this, just
3: clicked. It they, was like yeah.
4: the picture-perfect couple yep. that everybody wished they could be.
3: Well, like, like a said in the show like they just made me think of the kennedys and the stark family and, the Starks, yeah. Yeah. and, and that they all die <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's one of those things where i kind of came across germanicus and that whole family saga because of work so i work for a book publisher and i was marketing a book on caligula
3: little boots <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, like, I didn't know anything about Agrippina or the brothers or the sisters or the exile. It's told from, like, the point of view of the youngest daughter, Lavilla, who now I have a special, like, soft spot for. And I was like, I did not know any of this stuff about Caligula. And I have always been like, well, he's a villain. He fucked his sisters. He was, like, being brutally awful to everyone. And we should just, like, not have any sympathy for him at all. And then I started looking at everything that happened to his family. And you can't know about the trauma that happened to him and his sisters and. Not feel like a certain sense of like there is something to explain some of this behavior.
3: Totally. I mean, he's still um, fuck that guy. But yeah, like the fact that he didn't become a monster sooner is uh, kind of remarkable.
2: It totally makes me wonder if he had something like schizophrenia.
3: I think maybe he was schizophrenic or bipolar or something because the switch flipped when he was in his mid or late 20s. Which is when it usually happens. Yeah, exactly. So it's completely plausible that, yeah, he had some kind of...
2: And that's not to say that everyone with mental illness, as we've talked about before in the podcast, I have mental illness, but this is different.
3: No, no, no. But, you know, but like people in power. And undiagnosed and untreated.
0: Absolute power corrupts absolutely is a thing. So if you have an existing mental illness and you are suddenly thrust into power, it's like rocket fuel. Overload. Yeah, overload of whatever stuff you have going on.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Especially like I I come from a family with mental illness and bipolar disorder, they have this God complex sometimes that happens. And if you're an emperor and you have a lot of power, you definitely have that God complex. Yeah. And you feel like you are a God and you declare, didn't Caligula say he was a God basically? I
3: believe so, yeah. Yeah.
2: After he woke up, he was like, I'm a God. I'm going to fuck my sister. And then, surprise, surprise, his sisters didn't like it and were like, maybe you should kill him and then we could be in charge.
3: With our show, we have a lot of people that are really interested in, like, the Tudors, like Anne Boleyn, Henry VIII, that follow us. And it was really interesting, the parallel of, like, Henry VIII losing his shit and Caligula losing his shit were really similar. Like, a traumatic thing happened, and they woke up. And they were a different person. Mm-hmm. And then also for both of them, also maybe they didn't have underlying mental illnesses. It's the traumatic thing that they went through. That is exactly the same
2: parallel I saw. And I remember telling Jenny, like, Go watch the spit in the Tutors where Henry wakes up and he's like, Oh my god, I need a male heir, and also I'm the boss of everything and I'm gonna be a dick. I mean, not quite like that. There was
0: more nuance. Not much more <laughs> nuance though, realistically. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think one of the things that both of them faced was their own mortality. And for Caligula, it's like, I have beaten death, I have woken up, and you all thought I was going to die, and fuck you all, I'm in charge. The level
3: of petty. When he woke up and was like, oh, y'all were praying to the gods to take you instead of me. Well, I'm here, so... Time to die, bitches. Time to die! (laughs) Like, I just... I know it's horrible, and it's, like, tyranny, but... I am here for that level of petty though.
2: One of the things that I loved about Agrippina the Elder is like when I was like 16 and I was like I'm gonna fight the power I'm gonna like change the world Agrippina the Elder would have totally been my role model and kind of the older I get the more I'm like that was not the best position to take when you've got like eight children.
4: And I think like for me at least this is where Agrippina the Younger it's like her mother did all of this, and so Agrippina the Younger got to see her mother doing... She was doing, like, what
3: not to do? Yeah, <laughs> what
4: not to do, but at the same point, what to do, because yeah, her mother also. was a really good role model for yeah. her. Agrippina the Elder's mom was not a good role model, but Agrippina the Younger's mom was well, I, good. Well, I
3: have opinions on that. I think Agrippina the Elder's mother is a Julia... I yeah. mean, they were all Julia. They were all so were Julia that's, at that point. That's like guessing in the Renaissance. Was it Mary?
0: If you're not sure, it's probably Julia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: so- it's Julia. And then the other side would have been Antonia. Because remember, Germanicus is descended from Mark Antony because it all comes from that big dick.
3: <laughs> it's a big dick energy I feel like Julia was definitely a victim of only dudes with fragile dick energy writing history and stuff like that fragile and dick energy
0: fragile dick energy <laughs> now that we know about the fragile dick energy we can't stop seeing it
3: <laughs> we we give you free license to use it as much as you like I do I do hope you'll like mention us whenever you say it. Here's something you're
4: gonna hear from my lawyer.
3: No (laughs) Goddamn right, Nathan. Hold us
0: accountable.
2: I mean, to be fair, we've got it on tape. (laughs) 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 Don't worry, we will shout you out every time. We have been looking for the uh, antagonist to Big Dick Energy, and now we found it. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the other thing I wanted to talk about was Exile, because, like, I knew nothing really about Exile.
3: Everybody in the show getting sent to an island. Everybody in the (laughs) show getting sent to an island.
2: Exactly. I was like, oh, I'm going to be exiled to a Mediterranean island. Please, please. This is me crying over it.
3: Where you starve. Starvation Island. Not so fun. Yeah, forced
2: suicide.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's all fun and games until you're sent to an island to starve to death.
2: Or you're beaten so badly your eye pops out. Oh.
0: (laughs) You're like, that happened to Agrippina the Elder, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which like
3: kind of makes me respect her even more because I'm like, she must have been fighting back. Like, you know, she must have been standing up for herself.
0: She mouthed off to the wrong guard. And I love her for it. And I love
3: her for it. I'm just imagining like after like a year of her just mouthing off like a guard finally snapping. And I'm like, I mean, she knew her days were numbered anyway. So Mm -hmm. what's the point of being quiet, you know?
4: And that was something unique between, like, her and her daughter, the Younger. The Elder actually got sent to exile and died. The Younger got sent to exile and came back. And
3: came back, And so yeah. she
4: definitely had some big dick energy at I that bet, point. And I was like, Fuck while this!" while
3: she was on her suicide island, Agrippina, the Younger, was probably, like, I'm not going to mouth off to these cards. (laughs) I know what happened to my mom. But no, getting sent off to an island to die was a family tradition.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was. It's really true.
3: Which ones were on the same island? I think it was Julia and Agrippina the Younger's sister.
2: Julia, Agrippina the Elder, and Villa all went to the same island. And then Agrippina the Younger, I think, went to Poncha instead.
0: So Agrippina the Younger was on a different island. But Julia Villa was on the same island as her mom.
3: Yes. So like, it was like three generations of them all died on the same island.
0: The beach is littered with bones and shit. Worst family tradition ever. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I mean, it's like, all right, this family tradition is some strong ass women who just refuse to stay in their place and refuse to shut up and be quiet. And this is what happens. And they die on
3: an island very hungry.
0: The thing is, we talk about them, but we never talk about the
2: grandmothers. Like, first off, Augustus's second wife,
3: Livia. We have a running to-do list of women to cover. I couldn't be in ancient Rome any longer when we finish those five episodes for the Agrippinas, but she is definitely getting her own episode one day. She was a clever woman Mm -hmm. who ended up not getting killed on an island.
2: Yeah, who Augustus marries while she's pregnant.
3: She does have, like, natural causes, right? Yeah. The only one in this story.
2: <laughs> the rumors are maybe she might have poisoned Augustus, and if she did, it would have been by putting poison on, like, these figs from this tree.
3: Her body in this time getting murdered.
2: Exactly. <laughs> she was angling for her sons to rule, and I feel like Augustus had a favorite of hers, and it was a drusus, maybe. There was a lot of drusai, drusususes.
4: Drusai,
2: Drusai, Drusai. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I mean, Tiberius was not Augustus's favorite even though he married her to Julia. I feel like that was a terrible decision forced by Livia.
3: Oh my god, what a poorly matched couple.
2: Tiberius is like, I just want to continue fucking my first wife. And Julia's like, I just want to fuck everyone but you. <laughs> so. <No.
3: laughs> so let's go on to Aggie number two, because she really was her life, y'all. How there is not a mini series about this woman's life. What the fuck is wrong with people?
0: It's actually baffling, right? Like, why is there not a giant arc somewhere? HBO is falling down.
3: She lived so many lives in her one life. She was the wife of an emperor, the well, the
4: child of a rock star. She
3: was a she was a Kennedy basically of ancient Rome. Yeah. And just uh, this woman. I, I, I've i got such a crush on her.
2: Me too. And also, like, the thing about Agrippina the Younger is, like, I remember reading about her and being like, she slept with her son, she slept with her brother, and she slept with her uncle. Like, I'm not sure that that's a role model.
0: Does everybody have to be a role model, though? Like, really?
2: Uh, I grew up Roman Catholic.
0: She's got baggage, okay?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've got a lot of baggage. Very lapsed, very liberal and different now, but like that, that was the frame in which I encountered her the first time. And then I read this book by, I believe it's Emma Southen, and her book is called Agrippina Empress Goddess Hustler Whore. And I had done the entire episode mostly from male scholars, and then I read Emma Southen's book and I was like, oh girl, I did not know.
0: Doesn't she have her own podcast? Yeah,
2: it's called History is Sex.
3: History is sexy.
2: Because when you think about it, like the defining things that happen to her are her mother is sent into exile, she's given into marriage to like the- a
3: psycho that runs over kids in the street.
4: Yeah, Domitius.
3: Not to be confused with his sister, Domitia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Both of his sisters, Domitia. He
0: was like Domitius Aborahinius or something. Domitius Ahinobarbus, and he was the guy who ran people over in the street.
3: He ran a child over with his chariot because LOL. What a guy. What a guy to give a 13-year-old child bride to.
0: And also beat a slave to death because he lost a (laughs) bet. This is who I want to marry my my 13-year-old niece to. Good plan. And that was Tiberius <laughs> Tiberius in the Neverland ranch,
4: yeah, yeah, sex Island sex
0: we island. called it
3: Island of Capri sex pants. <laughs>
0: what I was trying to do
2: is paint a picture of who Agrippina the younger was and you know she was married at 13 to the most abusive and disgusting guy in Rome according to some sources while she was shipped away her brother Caligula was then taken into Tiberius's Neverland or Capri Sexcapades Island
3: Caligula came back from the Isle of Capri Pants like very fine maybe he was treated well there maybe like nothing bad happened to him there or maybe his meltdown later was like accumulating all the bullshit that he had to handle there that came to the surface later.
0: I totally know what you mean. And that's what I thought as well. I have opinions on this. Like, I feel like Caligula would have had to bury so much shit, you know, because the narrative at the time was Tiberius had poisoned his father, and Tiberius had definitely caused the death of his mother. And then there's the the whole stuff with his older brothers and what happened to them. Like, Tiberius had basically decimated Caligula's family. He was
3: there during, like, his formative years, you know? Like... It was definitely his formative years, and
2: one of the things about Caligula that is interesting to note is that both Drusus and Nero were allowed to reach their majority. They were able to go off and serve on military campaigns.
0: And Drusus and Nero were Caligula's older brothers, just in case people don't remember. They were
2: his older brothers, and one died by a starvation being, like, held prisoner, I believe, under the Palatine Hill. He tried to eat his own mattress.
0: And that was stuffing-eating Nero, <laughs> right? Not that Nero. Stuffing-eating Nero. Yes.
2: And then I believe Drusus was (laughs) sent to, I think it was Poncho, which is the island that Agrippina, the younger, eventually goes to. And he was sent a knife and some instructions to do away with himself. So that was Caligula's two older brothers. But Agrippina the Elder and then his grandmother, Livia, were like, hey, Caligula, we're not going to put on the toga virilis, which means the toga of manhood. You're just going to be a boy for a little bit longer. And
0: as long as no one notices, you just get to be a little boy. It's totally fine. Well, he would have had to have been like swallowing so much. I kind of feel like Caligula had to have been on lockdown that whole time.
2: Well, yeah, but think about what what's happening to him. Essentially, he should have been able to ascend his like right of being a man in you know, all air quotes. And he should have been like moving up in society and taking on military campaigns. And the women in his life are like, that is not something we want you to do. Just trust us, we know what we're talking about. And as a result, like he doesn't really get to take his toga of manhood until much, much later. So is this like an emasculation story? It kind of is. They keep him very coddled and emasculated for a long time, but it's not. Not just about emasculating him from their point of view it's like once you put that toga on you are have a big old target on your back like Julius caesar style
3: that's another interesting parallel to henry the actually because he was raised by women and the women in his life ran everything mm-hmm. and like stopped him he had a bit of arrested development because the women in his life were um, sheltering him so much so that's another interesting story and in, like the book i'm writing about his. Or the 8th and Caligula being the same person apparently. <laughs>
0: are you writing a book about that?
3: <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: but I should now. <laughs> I'm just like, are you not? Why? <laughs> that would be a good Patreon
3: episode though. Oh, the the parallels? Yeah, that the would be a really good between... Patreon episode actually. Huh. Anyway, okay. Bookmark. bookmarking that.
2: Caligula and Henry VIII had a delayed upbringing because the women in their life were...
3: They were both, like, raised by the women in their lives that were trying to protect them. I think in Caligula is, like
2: perspective. As soon as he reached his majority, there would be a target on his back. So they had seen what happened to Drusus, and they'd seen what happened to Nero, and they didn't want Caligula to have to eat his mattress stuffing. And then Caligula is found, allegedly found in bed with his sister Drusilla. And around that time, Caligula gets sent to Tiberius's ranch. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like I've done a lot of talking.
4: Oh god, Neverland
3: Ranch. Isle of Capri sex pants.
0: I'm laughing because I'm horrified. It's fine.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is where where we
4: laugh awkwardly because we don't know what to say.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well,
2: there was this like totally filthy passage. Oh my God. Do we have to bring
0: that up? Can we not?
2: Yeah. I was like, I'm doing the primary research. So I also get to figure out who says what filthy stuff. So Jenny's going to read all about
3: this. The tadpoles, you guys. Oh, that part about the the toddlers while he's in the swimming pool and his balls. I know. I was the
4: one that had to research that. And I was like, this is really awkward. Like, I don't want to talk about this, but it's super disgusting. And I just want to shake it off like Taylor Swift, even though I'm not a fan.
3: The Isle of Capri sex pants was a bad time for everyone besides Tiberius. Tiberius liked it, I guess. We all had a bad time except for Tiberius. I definitely don't believe all the propaganda about the Isle of Capri sex pants, but I do think that um, some shady shit went down. But I do kind of think that maybe because of his status, Caligula's time there, he would have been a little bit protected from the shadiest of the shady shit. He probably didn't have to do, like, the underwater ball tickling and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) But he probably saw some shit, but I don't think he saw, he wasn't disposable is what I mean. Which is sad, but a lot of the people that were sent there for Tiberius were at Tiberius's disposal.
2: This wasn't happening to slaves. This was happening to the upper crust of the Roman society. They were all sending their sons and
3: daughters. Maybe it was a bit of a power trip for Tiberius. Well, I shouldn't say maybe. It was definitely a power trip for Tiberius. Like, oh, I'm gonna do this to your wife. And what are you gonna do? Nothing. Or whoever. Whoever took his fancy that day.
2: It wasn't
0: even their wives. It was their children. That's a thing that, like, I feel like that's kind of a theme running through our podcast in terms of powerful people and how they see the people around them, because there's a quote from Caligula where he says to his grandmother, Antonia, I can do anything to anybody. So I feel like Caligula comes back from Sex Pants Island. (laughs) All credit to Queen's podcast for the Sex Pants Island.
3: (laughs) and. In Louisiana, which is really close to where we grew up, there was a casino called Isle of Capri Casino and his sex island was the Capri island so that's why isle of capri sex pants
4: but that's where the isle of capri casino got its name really yes. from
3: tiberius or yes. just because capri no, is a thing from, from, tiberius. from tiberius i tiberius. Didn't know that it
4: was the island of pleasure the oh. island of you get to go do whatever you want at this casino oh. and that's kind
3: of where and it is also definitely a c minus casino it's not <laughs> nice <nothing. laughs>
0: What happens at the Isle of Capri casino stays at the Isle of Capri casino? (laughs) So Caligula comes back from Sex Pants Island after his
2: uncle at some point in time dies, maybe by Caligula's hand, maybe by the hand of his bodyguard.
3: Maybe because he was just old as fuck. Exactly. I do love the story of like Caligula being like, I'm the boss now, now that he's dead. And he's like, I'm not quite dead. You know, we like, go go for a walk. I feel happy. <laughs> I feel happy. And he's like, Oh, can somebody can somebody fucking kill that guy?
4: <laughs> Push him off a cliff. So
2: Caligula gets to be in charge and Caligula decides that I'm not gonna be a giant dick. I'm gonna be nice to people and I'm gonna forgive all you people for all the shit you were talking.
0: Oh, that lasted like five minutes. Yeah,
3: about So anyway, that lasted like two years.
0: Right. Okay, five minutes, two years. Geological time, that's about the same,
2: right? No. No,
4: not at all.
2: Just keep drinking. It's fine. It's Jenny's birthday. (laughs) 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 Anyway, so you have this moment where for Agrippina, you think everything is going to come up Agrippina. It's going to be okay.
3: And then it's not.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's an understatement.
3: She was living the fucking life before he went into his coma or whatever she was on coitage she had the rights of a vestal fucking virgin which oh to be a Vestal Virgin back then, yeah, you didn't get to bone, but god damn it, everything else made up for it.
2: Let's be honest if boning meant you might die in childbirth for like any reason, you know, if like having babies meant you might just die at the same time, like, all right,
0: fine. Every time you have sex is so high stakes. Like, if I'm not getting like multiple orgasms out of every fucking time I bone, like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Right, why am I fucking
3: here? But before he went into his insanity coma, she was living the best fucking life, the rights of a Vestal Virgin. No one can fucking touch her. She's on coins. She doesn't have to deal with her asshole husband anymore. Is he dead now, her husband?
0: Anyway, but
3: she doesn't have to live with him.
0: She is... Living her best life. I think she can like own her own property and like sit in the Senate. Like what are the rights of a Vestal Virgin? Does anyone remember that?
3: Um, the rights of the Vestal Virgin were like, yeah, you could sit in on the Senate if you felt like it. If anybody touched you that you did not want touching you, they'd have their hand cut off.
4: So why is that that not a thing? That needs to be a thing right now. Yeah. If, if somebody puts their hand on you, you can have their hand. I'll girl. be a
3: Vestal Virgin if you want to ignore the last, like, 20 years.
0: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> right. I'd have a hard time being a Virgin at this point, but, like, other than that, I can totally handle it.
3: Technical
4: Virgins. <laughs>
3: yeah. They were
0: just...
3: <laughs> and then they got, like, a pension when they retired from being Vestal Virgins, and they got to retire when they were, like, in their... Late 30s or whatever. And then you could get married and then, you know, it'd be great. I mean,
0: I feel like if I could make it this far, I'd be like, wait, I'm set for life though. I think that's a decent enough trade off.
2: Just don't bone while you're a vessel virgin because then you would wind up, you know, entombed underground, starving to death.
3: But but again, before he went into his insanity coma, like Agrippina was just living the life of basically a goddess on earth. And then he went into his insanity coma and woke up and was just paranoid Android, you know, like everyone is against me, everyone's out to kill me. But to be fair, they were out to kill him after a bit.
2: But I think his life goes crazy in the same way that Henry VIII's life goes crazy, where you wake up and you realize that, like, everyone around you is here to make you the power as long as you're able to wield that power. And this is the first moment where he isn't able to wield that power. He's like, I fell into this coma and the first thing, like, my father-in-law, who was kind of like a dad to me and my guard, were thinking was, like, how
0: do we put Cabalus on the throne? How do we do that? They weren't thinking about him. They were thinking about what happens next. Of course, because... Because it's ancient Rome, bitch.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually a logical, it's a pragmatic thing to do, to think about the succession. But you don't, when you're a
0: megalomaniac,
3: you don't necessarily think of it that way. You wake up and it was like, oh, y'all are just all assuming I was going to die.
0: I feel like someone needs to sit Caligula down and be like, listen, bitch, if people wanted you dead, you'd be dead.
3: Yeah.
0: Someone could put a pillow over your face you'd be dead. The fact that you woke up at all means people didn't want you dead. The fact that you woke up was
3: like an act of goodwill. It means people weren't
0: ruling out that you might wake up. That's why you woke
2: up. Yeah and I feel like this is the first time that he realizes that and that's what's terrifying to him in addition to the fact that like he's facing his mortality and he has to deal with that and there is a strong possibility he developed, after this hemorrhatic fever on his brain, a mental illness.
4: I agree with that. Even with Henry VIII, it was the same sort of thing. Yeah. My friend is an oncologist, and I told her about Henry VIII's full story and Caligula's full story, and she was like, no, it sounds like he had a bad infection that Mm -hmm. caused a hemorrhage in his brain that made him paranoid. Yeah. And we don't know a lot about the brain, even in 2019, we don't study enough about mental illness to really understand it. So So
3: what what chance did the ancient Romans have to zero. really get it? Yeah.
4: Um so that's in my opinion that is precisely what happened. We don't understand the brain even now and back then they didn't. And so he went to sleep, okay, woke up not okay. So obviously something had to have happened mm-hmm. in that point.
3: Well, whatever happened, he woke up and was um, paranoid. So Okay, so after he woke up, nothing was good, but after Drusilla died is when everything went bad, 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 bad. It's
2: possibly the only one who had the patience and the ability to get through his madness was Drusilla. Whether or not he was sleeping with her or not, she was an anchor for him.
3: Exactly. Regardless of if you believe that Drusilla and Caligula were sleeping together. Because again, I mean, it seems that they were, but also the sources are so biased and everything.
0: You could just wipe all this off the map. You know, you could just say, oh, well, everything that's like, oh, they weren't sleeping together, like they fucking, everyone was sleeping with everyone else. Like there's so much that you could just decide none of this is trustworthy and then you know nothing.
4: It's all a wash. Exactly. It's all a wash. But
0: even if they weren't sleeping together,
3: we all have to agree that she definitely had persuasion on him.
0: He loved her. She had influence on him. He loved her. Whether it was platonic
3: or not, she drove the ship. And she knew how to rein that in. And then she died. And it was just fucking, what can we do? And that's when Agrippina stepped in and was like, I got this. I'm going to handle this. But she got caught trying to kill him.
2: Well, I think the interesting thing with Agrippina here is that Drusilla's husband... I think he was a Lepidus. Lepidus, yeah. So Drusilla's husband Lepidus was grieving for his wife. I think he probably did love her. He was also in some kind of relationship with Caligula. We don't know exactly what
0: they were doing. And theoretically in some kind of relationship with both Agrippina and Lavilla.
3: I know there's letters that survive between Agrippina and Drusilla's husband, but... I don't buy that it was just like the whole family banging it out, you know?
2: Oh, I don't think Villa was involved at all. I think potentially Caligula might have been involved in something with him and Lepidus and Drusilla, which Drusilla might have fabricated to keep Cal- Caligula happier. I don't know.
3: Though I do think it would be on brand for Agrippina the Younger. To sleep with whoever she thinks is gonna... And, like, that's not disparaging. That's not trying to be, like... No, those are my goals. Woman be fucking. (laughs) But, like, back then, that is the way that a woman got power was through men through the men they were with. I don't know if I necessarily believe the idea that she was hooking up with her brother-in-law, but I don't want to discredit it because it's on brand, but I don't think her other sister was also in on it. Caligula may have been also fucking him because I'm not going to put anything past Caligula and his little boots.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Caligula would be the kind of guy who would just want to watch them fuck.
0: Now we're in the fan fiction.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The fan fiction.
2: We are totally in the fan fiction. And
0: I want to leave this fan fiction. This has taken a dark turn.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Queen's podcast.
0: So can we, move out? can we move out of Caligula? Yes. Yes. What I was trying to guide us to. I love how Jen's trying to corral us into like a point.
2: <laughs> Do you know what? I've done this with so many famous authors and I'm like this is so much harder. George R. R. Martin was much easier to put on task than you guys are. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Three drunk podcasters and Jen. Well Jen is also drunk I think is the difference though. So. Right. Let's be clear. I think after
2: Drusilla passed, passed away in childbirth, Caligula felt very strongly that he was hardcore mourning his sister. He was going to mourn Drusilla like harder than anyone else had ever mourned
3: anyone else. He's going to be the best mourner. His mourn is going to be huge.
0: The mourn, the huge mourn. Great story.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna mourn more than anyone has ever mourned. It's gonna be beautiful.
2: It would make up for his tiny hands. It's fine. Anyway, so he finishes mourning his sister. He has that whole like, I'm unshaven. I am like a bridegroom, mourning my bride.
3: And everyone's like, "Um, no, that's your not fam. That's your sister.
0: Everyone's like, this is super awkward for us, Caligula, but I guess we're just gonna smile and nod.
3: Yeah,
2: oh, Caligula. And he's looking at his sisters, Lavilla and Agrippina and his brother-in-law, and they're not mourning as hard as he's mourning. And I feel like that's the starting of this sort of narrative where Caligula gets it in his mind that his sisters and Lepidus are totally against him.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, God. Everyone on this podcast is drunk. (laughs) (laughs) They did
3: legitimately plot against him.
0: I believe that. And I feel like when we were doing this episode before, that's so frequently presented as like women be plotting. I'm just like, all right, let's back up a second and let's look at why they might be plotting. And let's look at how Caligula is theoretically treating them and what we know about Caligula. And this is kind of why I was like, all right, I understand that people are going to talk about Caligula in horrible ways because they seek to discredit him. And this is totally a thing that happens to all kinds of emperors in the ancient world. Die being very unpopular. Like, there are all these stories about incest, and everybody makes a brothel inside the Imperial Palace. That's just the thing that everyone does.
2: Don't spoil Messalina's story.
4: Messy Messalina.
0: Messy Messalina. <laughs> Messalina. I just want to talk about the gilded nipples, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right, hang on. Just finish your Caligula train of thought, please. All right. So, my Caligula train of thought was as follows. It's just like I did. I didn't find the incest stories that unbelievable because here's a person who says he would do anything to anybody and and he gives them all this power and he gives them all these exceptions and they still want to kill his ass. No, but he did all that before he had his insanity coma. Right. That's before he, you know, turns into bad Caligula. Agrippina had a son,
2: so they were both viable options to put on the throne. And what Agrippina knew was, I can depose my brother who is now Deeply unpopular with the upper classes. And I can put myself and my son on the throne. And I will never have any problems. And you know what? I'll do it through Lepidus, who's equally popular. And Caligula finds out and he's like, nobody is fine. Everyone goes to exile and Lepidus, dead.
3: You go to Starvation Island, bitch. Thank you, Katie. (laughs) So she goes to Starvation Island. But before she can starve, (laughs) luckily, Little Boots dies. Thank God.
2: (laughs) Thank God.
3: It's time.
2: And then... They get recalled by Uncle Claudius, who is pulling the same maneuver Caligula did. I am going to make peace with the children of my brother, who were so popular and were so sadly exiled
3: by their brother, who was just a tyrant.
0: Can we, like, talk about the gilded nipples? I literally can't.
3: (laughs) So Agrippina comes back from Starvation Island, and um, she's looking great. She's been on a diet. She's so skinny. Oh, those collarbones are... Ha, Ben. Ooh, those cheekbones. <laughs> She's very hungry. And so she comes back and like everyone's happy to see her. I feel like everyone's like the daughter of Germanicus, oh my God. So she gets back. Her uncle Claudius, she just throws her weight behind. She is full-on supporting Claudius, a hundred percent.
2: So Claudius is married to this, like, epic woman named Messalina. And Claudius is kind of like, I don't know, late 40s, maybe 50s. He has always been kind of in the background. He's not our best candidate for emperor. He's allegedly found hiding behind the drapes in his house. The Praetorian guard has to drag him out of the drapes. And he's
3: like, okay, I guess I'll be emperor. Because everybody thinks, oh, we're going to be able to control him. We're going to be able to, like, drive the ship with this. This nobody is in charge, so um, the Senate can really rule. Instead. But Claudius does find his own a bit. I'm not as dumb as y'all all think I am.
0: No, Claudius was really smart and he was not a bad emperor. I mean, I feel like I've read some things where it was like Claudius is actually his best self when he was married to Agrippina and she was kind of managing things for him. He starts off with a rocky beginning because he's
2: not seriously popular in the Senate and his niece Lavilla is married to this guy who I can't remember what his name is. He's just a dude, but he's quite popular. I bet it was Domitius.
4: Demitious delicious.
2: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, like, Lavilla <laughs> married him at 16 and he was, like, 30-something. And you're like,
0: oh, winning. Not delicious not delicious. Ew. Take
2: that dick away.
0: Anyway. uh, (laughs) Everything's problematic. It's ancient Rome. People were trash.
3: (laughs) That should be the tagline for ancient Rome. Everything is problematic.
0: (laughs) Everything is trash. So anyway, we get to
2: this point where Claudius is coming back into the Senate and they're like, I guess we gotta let the idiot be in charge because that's how they felt about Claudius, which is deeply unfair. And Messalina
3: was like, I'm here and I'm gonna do my thing. They were being like, this woman is a PR nightmare. She's got these gilded nipples that she's just like flaunting around for some reason. Messy Messalina. Messy Messalina. Like- Get
4: rid of her. Get
3: rid of her. And so then they like were shopping around like who's gonna be the next, like we can't have an unmarried emperor. God forbid. So now it's like, Bachelor! So, like, uh, he's given a rose to... Agrippina he's given a rose to this other girl to his niece yeah yeah so it comes down to um and it's a very political move like who are we gonna choose and whenever it's looking like it's leaning to Agrippina people are up in arms because that's your fucking niece bro but his like PR team were like you know uncles and nieces married all the time this like is fine. Look, this is fine I mean, if you look at the Ptolemies. Like, he was pulling shit from that. So they actually have the law changed, where it was like, all right, you can marry your niece. And besides Agrippina and Claudius, I think, like two other people
0: in the country, actually. <laughs> like,
4: yeah, it wasn't a cool thing. Don't, don't marry your niece.
0: Everyone else was still, like, gross. Didn't he put it out where he's like, now it's legal for everyone, and Claudius is kind of hoping <laughs> people did this? <laughs> yeah! So
3: now she is rockin' empress. She gets herself called Augusta. Augusta. The only other Augusta was dead. When she was declared Augusta. Dead Augusta. But she's like, no, I'm alive and I'm going to be Augusta, which basically means a goddess on earth. Livia was the other one.
2: Caligula gave it to her after she died. And then he also offered it to Antonia and she was like, no, 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 really no.
3: And then he had her killed. So now she is Empress. And she is a goddess on earth. And her son, her little baby that she had with Crazy Dude, she is just like lifting him up, lifting him up, and that I really do honestly believe that was her prime objective the entire time of being empress. She was just like, yes, but what does my little baby Nero think of this?
4: He what needs is my- to be on coins, coins ne- on coins on coins.
0: But like, we need to we need to involve Nero on this. But you know, that's also that's also for her. You know, like promoting Nero is promoting Agrippina. Like that's how women in that time were ambitious.
3: Oh, totally, totally, a hundred percent. Anyway, so Claudius passes away because somebody like poisons his bar feather. You know, whatever. <laughs> Hashtag poisonous bar feather band name I call it. And so then the obvious heir is Nero, even though they have they have Claudius's son from a previous from um, was
0: it. Messy? Messalina. Messalina's son, Britannicus, is still alive, but he gets offed.
3: Yeah, very dramatically. Oh, no, let's talk about that, actually. Let's talk about that, actually. So (laughs) Nero becomes emperor, and he does not have a Caligula moment where he, like, has a thing that makes him, that sets off his insanity.
0: No, he's just like that all the time. He is Joffrey. He is Joffrey
3: to the fucking T. From day so. one, he is just like, I'm
0: king, here's my balls, fucking <laughs> suck it. You know what I mean? He's a fucking chin strap asshole. Have you guys seen the meme going around with Nero's face, the reconstruction of it? And it's just like, this dude has a fucking neck beard. This- <laughs>
1: neck beard. I
0: only know it from y'all's show. And unfortunately, they portray him as ginger. I'm against it. I will put it in the show notes. He's an asshole. He has a neckbeard. That's the story.
3: No, I, I do want to talk about Britannicus's murder because it's so interesting. Nero becomes king. And from like day one, he's a bit of a tyrant. And then everyone is a little bit like, Oh, dude, we picked a Joffrey. No, thank you. Maybe we're going to overthrow him for his cousin, Britannicus.
0: Stepbrother, right? Like, totally normal dude. Cousin slash stepbrother.
3: Yeah, stepbrother slash cousin, Britannicus. And so Nero's like, I right, let me hold this dinner. And they have this dinner. And like, the moral of the story is never go to a Julian Claudius dinner.
0: I've been saying this the whole time.
4: <laughs> you gonna get kilts.
3: You gonna get kilts with a capital T. So they all, everyone is just chilling, eating dinner, having a good time. And Britannicus is like... <coughs> 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 oh God. And like everyone's just kind of sitting around... But then he starts like full on convulsing and like someone gets up to help him and Nero's like, no, sit your ass down. And so as Britannicus is convulsing and dying, Nero is looking at Agrippina being like, you wanted someone else? You wanted someone else? I don't think so.
0: I mean, that's the moment where Agrippina knows that her shark has officially jumped. Yes.
3: Yes. That was the moment that Agrippino was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get sent to Starvation Island.
4: Again.
3: Again. Get to.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Piss off the Emperor
3: again, again. gets into starvation island again it's very unfortunate for her but that was very much like an end of an era for her when she was like no this dude has more power pal- we have created a monster it is her monster that she
0: created and she's not like Cleo where Cleo off the kid when he reached his age of majority and Agrippina didn't do that because she like actually cared about him or some shit
3: because uh, I guess she loved him because of biology Blah.
0: Because he was her son or some shit. I guess that's how that works. (laughs)
3: Blarf Blah. Why don't we just (laughs) skip ahead to her impending doom? Because I think that's what everyone's here for. Good plan. All we do is death, 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 no matter what. Um,
0: <laughs> there's all this, like, wacky hijinks with collapsing boats and collapsing ceilings and shit. Wacky, collapsible death.
3: So her and Nero have had a falling out. But then there's, like, it's like Thanksgiving, basically. Thanksgiving. So they're having Thanksgiving. All for the Insta. Because <laughs> they're hashtag blessed. Or, like, let's bury the hatchet. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So they're having hashtag blessed giving. So the two of them had a falling out, but Nero is like, Mom, I want you to come to this thing. Totally no ulterior motives. It's gonna be great. Liar.
0: There's
2: I
4: know, I know ulterior motives.
0: As soon as someone says no ulterior motives, I mean that's a clue. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so Agrippina
3: at the beginning was like, Oh my god. Yes, he wants to bury the hatchet. He wants to be hashtag blessed. Let's do it. And she gets there. They have a beautiful Thanksgiving or like whatever. And then they're leaving and um, supposedly Nero kissed her breasts.
4: That's so super weird.
3: Let me no kiss. Yeah,
4: I don't want you to kiss my titties.
3: No and then they're to. like, oh, Aggie, your boat Got fucked up. Somebody else, like, ran their boat into your boat. So, your boat is fucked up. And Nero's like, no, no, no. That will not do for my mother. Here, Mom. Here's a boat that I conveniently have set aside for you. (laughs) What could go wrong? I see nothing (laughs) wrong with this plan. And Agrippina's like, oh, my God. Thanks for the boat. Super cool. Because at this point, she thinks they've, like, kissed and made up. They've like kissed the titties and made up. Wait, so like he kisses mom's boobies. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But while she's riding this boat home, which really would have only been like an hour long ride. It's not a long trip. The boat collapses upon itself. Like it makes me think of like Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> like,
4: <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs>
3: I mean, like this isn't transparently
0: obvious already.
3: Yeah, no. Oh, she realizes. And then she's swimming. She's swimming to shore and she hears one of her handbags be like i'm agrippina save me and then the guards beat that handmaid to death she's like oh this was a hit job this was a hit job and she swims to shore and she goes back to her house and she's just she's consigned to like i know what's happening my son wants to kill me and he's the emperor so i'm gonna get kilt with a capital t
0: you know like kilt dead this is the end of my story
4: so i gotta get out of this fucking shit
0: exactly I mean, what happens next, right? Like, the army does not want to kill Agrippina. Oh, they're they're still, like, the daughter of Germanicus? No,
3: fuck no. They don't want to kill her. But what Nero says, Nero gets, you know? So I think he paid the most shadiest bitches. Because the whole army is like, we're not killing the daughter of Germanicus. I think he must have probably outsourced it.
4: You know what I mean? He got some girls from Shady Lady University. Shady
3: Lady University came in and was like, we good for this.
4: We ready to run some shade?
3: Oh, do you want to get your hands dirty? Exactly. So he sends the people to her house and Agrippina knew. How could you not? Agrippina knew. I don't know if these are her actual last words, but I don't give a fuck because they're so badass. Smite my womb. Fuck
4: yes. Boom, bitch.
3: Boom. Stab me in my womb. Stab me from where this parasite for the world came from. Cause fuck that dude. Fuck that dude. You know what? If that's not a mic drop, I don't know what fucking is.
0: Those are her last words that we have that come down to us. I don't know if that's true. I almost don't even fucking care if it's true because it's so badass. Exactly.
3: (laughs) Yeah,
4: right? Give me life.
3: Can we all just raise raise our glasses to Agrippina? Can we all just cheers Agrippina? We're going
4: to make a good clinky sound.
3: To Agrippina, bitches. To Agrippina fucking pina the younger. Goddamn right. She She came here, she didn't give a fuck about your opinions, she ruled and she married her uncle if she had to.
0: She did what she had to do
3: <laughs> and she did not flinch from
2: it. She did, she had no choice. Listen, Agrippina was not going to be fucking exiled again. No. 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 She played nice once and she was not going back to exile. Fuck no.
3: Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for having us just talk about her. This has been so much fun. I know.
4: I don't think I've had this much fun recording. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This has been a really good time, y'all. I'm so glad. I am trashed. (laughs)
3: Have fun in Brooklyn. (laughs) Happy birthday.
4: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, DJ. Happy birthday to you.
0: Thank you, Nathan. That was beautiful and musical.
4: You got my Marilyn Monroe happy birthday. You
0: got his Marilyn.
3: Oh, oh. Swoon. I love you. I love you too. Oh, we love you too. Thank you for coming on the show. We had so much fun. Thank you so much for having us. Do
0: We want to do a thing where we talk about our episodes and shit. All right, fuck it. Oh.